You know when the clock strikes 12, that Midnight Mania Sports hosted by Austin Takuda and George Hathaway starts right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Midnight Mania Sports. I'm George Hathaway here alongside Austin Takuda for Season 2, Episode 9. Austin, breaking news just happened not too long ago. Antonio Brown is going to sign a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, they're giving Brady every possible tool to, to win that division. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no excuses now, really. None at all. Yeah, this team now has pretty much the complete wide receiver core like any quarterback could ever dream of. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. You got Gronk and O.J. Howard at tight end. And then they have a phenomenal defense as well. Pretty much Brady's complete team. Yeah, I mean... Even even in the backfield, Ronald Jones has rushed for 100 yards in three straight games. Leonard Fournette, once he gets going, is another another back that they can rely on. And now Brady doesn't even have to throw the ball because their run game and defense have been so effective the last couple of weeks. But now you're at a point where who do you cover if you're a defense, right? I mean, if say say it's the Patriots, Gilmore matches up on one of them, but then. Then you have either Brown or Godwin or one of the threes open at some point. Plus, I mean, yeah, JC Jackson. You can run. Yeah, but I mean, still, it. I mean, any any no team has has three cornerbacks that can cover Ooh, all three. Yeah. Plus, you need a, one guy who can cover a tight end. I mean, uh, just imagine if Pat Mahomes or Russell Wilson had those. T- oh my goodness, they throw for six thousand yards. It would be <laughs> incredible. Yeah, no, this is probably one of Brady's best offenses. I think we talked about this on here since I believe was it oh seven, oh eight. I believe it was mm. that year. Um, that was probably the best offense he's ever had since then. And still, I mean, look what Brady's done without a complete offense. You know, he's won several Super Bowls without the best offense in the NFL, mostly because of his defense. But now you give him a really good offense and a really good defense. We're going to see some of his true colors. Yeah, I mean, he's either going to – this team's going to go on a winning streak or you're going to kind of see that Brady's – kind of slowing down which yeah obviously he's not as good as he was five ten years ago Mm -hmm. but at the same time with the amount of weapons you know I don't know if this is you know this shows Bruce Arians doesn't have the confidence in Brady to to be that guy Mm -hmm. because you know Belichick wouldn't go out and make these moves or even you know I I just don't think if they thought that Antonio Brown was needed they might have brought him in earlier in the year um you know he's serving suspension but you could have still had him on the roster but I, it's just interesting because you got to think does Bruce Arians think that Tom Brady needs more weapons and really can't do it because they're just adding whatever they can to try and help him not have to, you know, throw the ball and not have to be as effective because these guys would get open for him. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, I wasn't super excited to watch the Bucks before because it was kind of like, yeah, I know what I'm going to get. I mean, Evans is decent. Godwin's decent. Mm-hmm. But Antonio Brown makes me want to watch the Buccaneers. Like, <laughs> he makes me want to turn the TV on and, actually sit there and watch a Buccaneers game that's going to be interesting I don't think he's eligible till week nine to play and that's if he clears the COVID protocol so it's going to be another week but man that's just that's that's the most interesting news I've heard in a couple weeks it's like kind of having uh what's it Kevin Durant go to Golden State pretty much I mean you're just pretty much building a super team in Tampa Bay well AB is 32 years old, so we and he hasn't really played this year, so we got to see though um, if he's lost a step or not. He didn't lose. He didn't look like he lost a step though last year. I mean, he when he was in New England for one game, I mean, yeah, touchdown, few uh, few 
few good catches as well, but you can definitely tell his presence on the field, him being probably one of the best receivers in his prime, you know, a few years back. I think that just adds a lot more to this Bucks offense. Yeah, I agree. I think if he's even anywhere close to what he was, he doesn't even have to. The thing is, like, like I said, he's not even going to have to deal with the number one quarterback like he used to have to. Gilmore or whoever, just say the team's number one. It will be on probably Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. The number two probably on Godwin. And, and then AB's is going to get matched up against some third, you know, third <laughs> string corner on a team. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, I just, it's a nightmare, especially in that division where you have teams like the Panthers, the Falcons, um, and even the Saints who don't have great secondaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints have the best one of the bunch, I think. But oh, it's going to be... Once they get going, like I, they might not hit their stride until week week eleven, but those last couple of games, you have a chance for historic offensive performances. I mean, Fournette's going to be back, and Fournette's going to be going, and just mixing those running backs in. When Ronald Jones looked legit, like I said, I mean that's just it's. We'll see what happens because it could end up flopping. Like we thought at this point last year, or, or relatively around this time, we're like, oh man, the Pats have Antonio Brown, Edelman, Josh Gordon. Their run game's looking good. Everything's so going new. smooth. I think the defense is unbeatable. Too. Yeah, They had everything. And then next thing you know, we're, we're going into the playoffs. And we're like, man, can they get anybody to catch a pass? <laughs> and so before we get like super carried away, we got to see how it develops. But yeah, I mean, right now it's looking looking pretty dangerous. Can you imagine you're on defense and all you have to line up at trips right? Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. And then on the other <laughs> side there, you have Gronk and Howard. Oh my goodness. That'd yeah, be and scary. Then the guy throwing it to him has won six Super Bowls too. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Pretty much just I'll like lose, all right. lose, lose, lose. Like there's no <laughs> win anywhere. Speaking of former wide receivers coming back in the NFL, the Ravens are planning to sign Des Bryant to their practice squad. Now we're talking about great offenses. Here we go. We're just building up another one in the East. Yeah, I mean the Ravens obviously like Lamar makes a huge difference because of his ability to run the football. Um, but with Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins in their backfield, they've developed something pretty solid. Des Bryant, though, isn't – I don't think he's to the – he never was the same player as Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, but even now he hasn't played in an NFL game since 2017. So that's – now this is like the third season he hasn't been on the field. So even in his last couple of years, he never surpassed 830 uh, receiving yards. I mean – he had those three straight years in his mid-20s where he had at least 1,200 yards receiving and double-digit touchdowns every year. But he hasn't been that player for a long time. So even if he's back on the field, um, that's why they're signing him to the practice squad as well. I mean, he, he was signed to the Saints practice squad last year, and I believe it was his Achilles he tore before he even got to see the field, really. Um, so you're kind of getting a guy who hasn't really been the same player, but at the same time, he it's hard to find that level of success in the NFL that he reached one day. So you're 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 getting a guy at a really low cost that was a Pro Bowl star at one point in his career. I, I really do like Des Bryant. He was when he's on the Cowboys. That was a good Cowboys team. They made it deep into the playoffs. You know, it just good times. Only if that could happen this year in the uh, very bummy NFC East, but we'll get into that later. And also, the Ravens also acquire. Uh, they acquire. Yannick and, <laughs> Yannick yeah, you, and you want to pronounce that? 
I, the only reason I know him is because he, so he was on the Jaguars, the defensive mm-hmm. end. They traded him over to the Vikings. Uh, he was, he wouldn't sign an extension, wanted to be traded. And then now he gets shipped over from the Vikings to the Ravens for a third and a fifth round pick. He has had five sacks in the first six games. So he's been a pretty solid pass rusher for the uh, Vikings. So he's going to help really make a nice pair with Kalias Campbell for the Ravens pass rush. And they played together in Jacksonville. But, yeah, Ngakwe is a pretty solid pass rusher. Ravens kind of um, figuring out where they need some help and adjusting. I mean, they're not – I don't know if they'll re-sign him because he is a free agent at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But a third and a fifth-round pick for a guy who is a really good pass rusher is not a bad deal for the Ravens as they push towards the playoffs. And this is a very young Ravens team, I like to say. Lamar Jackson really leading this team uh, – offensively he's probably one of the big names that you think of when you think of the Baltimore Ravens and you know adding a receiver like Bryant to the team and Nguakwe as well on defense this is going to be like another complete team in Baltimore the NFC North just got a whole lot more interesting you know the Steelers are undefeated so far the Ravens are right behind them they're going to be catching up soon with these additions Mm -hmm. and then you also have you know, the Browns and Bengals who are just, you know, sitting down there and doing nothing really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very competitive. This, this AFC, the, the Steelers in that division are five and oh, um, the Ravens are five and one in that division. And then the Browns are four and two, but out of those three teams, the Browns don't look legitimate. I, don't, I would say they've had some, they've beat some bad teams and they've had some, mm-hmm. you know, good halves, I'd say that have kind of helped them. But even looking at it right now, the Patriots are 11th in the East, uh, the uh, American, the AFC, and uh, 11 <laughs> out of 16. I was thinking, like, first I'm thinking in American League, but American Football Conference, AFC. Um, yeah, no, there you yeah, go. The Patriots are actually 11th out of the 16th teams in terms of records. So this is the first, I can't remember the last time the Patriots were that low in the standings at this point in the season. Also, um, I don't even think we were born yet. This no. is before our time. <laughs> I think even when Matt Castle took over when Brady's tore his ACL in 2000, I don't know if I went to get that one. It was, that I mean, was, was 2008, 2009, I believe, that season. So, yeah, he, he blows out his ACL, and Matt Castle still brings him to, what, 9 and 7? But, oh, man, I mean, this is the year that that the other teams in the AFC East especially have a chance. I mean, the Bills are 4-2. and two, The Dolphins are 3-3, three and three, but they just benched their starting quarterback for a left-handed th- – throwing rookie from Alabama who had a hip injury last year. So I don't really know what's going through their mind. Yeah, two is really talented, but he hasn't played a snap in the end. Now he has played a snap in the NFL. Now he has. He, not a real two. snap. Like those were two like garbage time teams against the worst football team fielded in the last 10 years, probably. <laughs> so I, I just, it's a, it's a such a weird year for football. It's a hot but like mess. you said, I mean, the AFC is so competitive mm-hmm. and the Patriots aren't even that bad. And like I said, they're <laughs> They're at 11, 11 out of 16. Yeah, I think the AFC is really going to start coming down to those last few weeks. And what's going to be weird for the Patriots is we're usually seeing a Patriots team, you know, week 16, week 15, that's not as trying as hard because they already secured that playoff spot. They secured the home field advantage. But now we're going into a whole nother season where those two weeks are going to matter. And you're still going to have to play 110% because you're either going to be fighting for a playoff spot or probably fighting for, you know, a divisional round or fighting to, you know, have home field advantage for, you know, a certain amount of playoffs, not all the way through, but at least for the first few games. 
Yeah, I mean, what the Patriots sometimes do get off to slow starts. We've seen that before, but by like right around this time, they're able to turn it on, go on a little winning streak, mm-hmm. and then get to the point where week 16 and week 17 are just kind of tune ups and, you know, not really uh, games that they need to compete in. But now you're at the point where you're two and three. The rest of the conference is so competitive that you're going to have to just keep pushing forward. And really, every game's going to matter. And there's not really much room for error at this point because. It's looking like the wild card teams are going to be teams with, you know, five losses maybe this year. It's going to be so competitive, but the Patriots could get to a point where if they lose one more game, they're already at four losses. So they're going to have to, they got to play really good football the next few weeks. So we'll have to see kind of how Cam continues to play um, and kind of see what adjustments Belichick makes. Sticking with some recent news that's been happening and with football as well, Deshaun Jackson left. Tuesday, Thursday night football's game with an injury and that was a big loss for the Eagles as they were really wire to wire with the Giants on Thursday night. Yeah, Jackson, I believe he was on a punt return. He got like bent over backwards and his mm-hmm. knee and ankle twisted. So he's having an MRI. I believe it's a high ankle sprain, which for a guy like Jackson who relies on his legs and his speed, that could keep him out a few weeks. And the Eagles are already missing Miles Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey, um, they've had injuries to the offensive line where Jason Kelsey is their only healthy starter. So they're just a team that's been depleted by injuries already. Jackson coming back last night and looks pretty good for parts of the game. But the Eagles did end up pulling out that win last night thanks to a nice 18-yard touchdown from Carson Wentz to the five foot nine running back Boston Scott, one of the best catches you'll see from a running back. It just a beautifully thrown football. So they just escaped the Giants who are or came into the game at one and five and I mean, you're lucky the Cowboys, that's the division the Cowboys are in. These <laughs> teams don't look like competitors. Right before we get into Thursday night football, last piece of recent news that happened, Austin, since our last show was the Pelicans hire Stan Van Gundy for a four-year deal. And I would just say I'm very excited for this. Yeah, we talked about it. I think he develops big men pretty well. So mm-hmm. even if he's not going to get you let's say deep into the playoffs, you know, worst case, he still develops Zion the next couple of years, which is crucial because obviously going into your sophomore season in the NBA is a huge one to kind of make a leap. Like we've seen with Jason Tatum, or we've seen with other guys like Jalen Brown kind of making, you know, showing signs of being great. So the next two years for Zion are huge. And I think Van Gundy's a good coach to lead him through that. Yeah. And what I like about Van Gundy is he has some playoff experience. Every team that he, has coached, has made the playoffs. Uh, it was the Heat, Magic as well. The Magic went to the NBA Finals under Van Gundy. So he has that experience. Even though they lost 4-1 to one against the Lakers, he knows what it's like to be in these situations. So that's why I can really trust him, and I like his coaching style. He's a very defense and hustler kind of coach. He really looks at that more rather than offense. And he coached J.J. Redick when Redick was in Orlando. But he never played him for some odd reason. He just never, you know, started him or even decided to give J.J. Reddick some playing time. So hopefully that kind of changes because J.J. Reddick's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Yeah, it's I, he also, when Van Gundy was in Detroit, I don't necessarily blame him for their lack of success. He was in Detroit at a time when the league was in a transition from big men like Drummond who can rebound. Mm-hmm. He had two of them. He had Drummond and Greg Monroe two guys who are low post scorers and rebounders. And that was where the league was, but he came in and had that team at a time where the league was going to 
stretch bigs and guys who can shoot threes. And he was stuck with two guys who just couldn't shoot threes. So he had a team that wasn't in the right generation for a while, and he didn't really do much with them. But I don't think they had as much talent as this Pelicans team does, honestly. So this should be a, a good match. I mean, and I just think we're, at the end of the day, it's better than Alvin Gentry. So. Yeah, it definitely is better than Alvin Gentry. And going to your point that you said about, you know, stretch bigs and everything, look at the Pelicans. They have some great big men that can shoot the ball. Jackson Hayes, he he can be that guy that can give you that low post scoring and even some offense on the outside of the uh, paint. And Zion, we've seen him in his debut against San Antonio. He hit four threes, four for four. So, I mean, Zion, he can shoot the three. I wouldn't say that he was shooting at a high level, but he can shoot it at a very decent level, level probably better than Danny Green. And <laughs> and you have also Jaleel Okafor, too, who's another stretch big, one of the best players you know we've seen uh, since 2015 and when he came out of the draft, first pick. So I like Jaleel Okafor. Okafor. I like Jaleel Okafor. He's oh. probably one of the best centers we've seen in college basketball. And even transitioning the NBA that first year he was with the Sixers, he played really well. I could have scored 10 points a game on that Sixers team. <laughs> they had nothing. And that team was depleted of any talent. Well, still, you have you have that big man talent. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just making comparisons here. I mean, you got some, some young players for the Pelicans that Van Gundy is going to mold into superstars like he did with Dwight Howard. Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean – We'll have to see. I mean, only only time will tell. We can speculate all we want, but I think there is a lot of talent on the team, and um, especially with the emergence of Brandon Ingram, they're on the fringe of a playoff team this year. So next year, they they should be a playoff team. But you know how deep they go is a different story. Going back to Thursday night football, Austin Eagles beat the Giants twenty-two to twenty-one, and like you said, Boston Scott with an incredible catch with under a minute left, eighteen-yard touchdown between him and Wentz. So what did you really take out of this very cringy game to watch? I watched most of it between that and the debate. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what was like worse or better. (laughs) Um, But like what I saw the first half wasn't super exciting. I mean, I I focused on it because I had Boston Scott and fantasy. Mm -hmm. So I was like all upset the whole game until the last drive. And then he put up like, had the 18-yard touchdown catch, which really saved me. Um, but overall, there wasn't a ton of excitement. Daniel Jones to Golden Tate on a 39-yard touchdown showed what Daniel Jones can do with his arm, but then he throws a pick, fumbles twice, and then gets an 80-yard scamper, which he reaches 21 miles an hour in speed, and then just miraculously falls down. Um, if you haven't seen that video, I recommend <laughs> you check that out. That's just incredible. It was classic turf monster coming up through the turf and taking him out the only thing i can guess is that like he's not used to running that far like for that like that fast so his legs just kind of gave out on him like they just failed him i don't know that's the only thing i can guess um but overall it just i don't know it didn't really show much about the giants it showed they kind of stink but it showed that carson wentz is not that good of a quarterback either it shows that he can be but it shows that he makes way too many mistakes so it was, it was just a game that I, I kind of expected it to go that way, in a way. I mean, I expected it to kind of be lots of punts, turnovers, and it was, so. Yeah, and going back to Daniel Jones' 80-yard run, did you know that that was most rushing yards? He has more rushing yards than, like, running backs combined in, like, one single game. 
like up until that point yeah, for like, the Giants. It was something like insanely like that where he had more rushing yards than a running back did in the game. But they are also missing Saquon Barkley, who was the best running back in the yeah. league. So you could see that why that happened. But he reached 21 miles an hour and he ran 80 yards downfield. And I don't know how he tripped. Like, I don't know if he tripped over his feet or what. But I, at that point, I don't know. No, I just know that well, Tom Brady can never video. do that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Brady wouldn't even come close. And even in the video, like his feet don't even get tangled. They just like, he just stops working. Like there's some kind of like disconnect between his mind and like his body. <laughs> and I think he just like, I think his legs just gave out on him. And they're like, we're not supposed to do this. Like you're supposed to stand there, throw, maybe run five yards, but not 80. He did show speed on it though. I was impressed that he has some quickness to him. I think that 21 miles per hour is faster than Lamar Jackson's. And I think yeah. Lamar Jackson topped off at like 20 miles an hour. So, hey, let's put those two up at a 40-yard dash and see what happens. <laughs> I'm going to take Lamar still. Oh, I'll I would too. I don't, I don't trust Daniel Jones's legs right now. No, I don't either. He's definitely icing them up, and he's just like, oh, <laughs> never again am I running like that. <laughs> a lot of his teammates are laughing at him on the sideline. So I can, I can imagine he's uh, – He's feeling it today. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it was laughable for him because they were also winning that game. But yeah. the Eagles got the last laugh on that one. And like you said, Austin, the defense played really, really well. They had an interception, two forced fumbles, and another forced fumble with under 30 seconds left. So they came up when they needed to in big-time situations. Yeah, that – the Eagles defense, another another unit that's missing a lot of guys, but they were getting pressure on Daniel Jones all night. They were causing turnovers, which is huge when you have an offense and Wentz who is throwing picks himself. You need to get the ball back for your offense, and they did just that. And then at the end of the game, the strip sack, uh, similar to the Super Bowl with the Eagles and the Patriots in it, Brandon Graham coming around the edge and uh, causing a fumble. So it was, a, it was a good ending to a game that, you know, maybe put some people to sleep at points. And that was probably one of the games that nobody will really be talking about again because it was that bad to watch. And now the Eagles technically are tied with the Cowboys for first in the NFC East in this garbage can of a conference. <laughs> yeah, it's a virtual tie. I mean, if Dallas, if Dallas they're playing Sunday, unfortunately. Um, against the Washington football team. So it's an in-conference oh game. You're telling me that the cow, so we could have a three-way tie, possibly. <laughs> it's gonna end up. I'm gonna tell you, it's a four-way tie at the oh, end no. of the season. They're all gonna be like three, nine, and two, or whatever it is, <laughs> or three ties apiece, and it's just gonna be a nightmare. Can you imagine though, if because one of these teams is gonna host a playoff game, mm-hmm. one of them is gonna be the, the the division winner gets a playoff game pretty much at home. Can you imagine though, if if like the six and ten Eagles are hosting like the thirteen and three wild card team, the the Rams or whatever it is, or the, oh, the Niners gosh. who end up going good, that'll be so horrible. It's gonna be an embarrassment. I mean, maybe by then we'll have fans in the seats, and like Eagles fans can kind of like help will them on, or no, they'll like beat each other up for it. But yeah. I don't know if I don't even know if I'd want to watch. I mean, it'd be because that's what's gonna happen. Even one of these, no, none of these teams are going over five hundred. Not a single one no. is gonna go eight and eight or better. There's not a chance. If, no, if they no do, I'll be very surprised. 
knowing the Cowboys, they always go eight and eight anyways. So, I mean, yeah. it's going to be bad. It's going to be funny, though, to see how this all plays out. See if it ends up in a tie, if there's a three-way tie, two-way tie, no tie at all. Who knows? Cowboys go on a winning streak. Andy Dalton wins MVP. Oh, that's never going to happen. <laughs> oh, shoot, Austin. That was my bold <laughs> take for today, too. Come on. Oh, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, transitioning over back into the NFC South, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, trade rumors. Are they going to be traded? Yeah, we mentioned it a bit on Tuesday, but since then, we haven't really seen much Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, those rumors developing. Julio is supposed to play on Sunday. He keeps being questionable with leg injuries, but he's expected to play again. Um, And, like, there hasn't been really many major developments since Tuesday, but... It's worth mentioning because their names are still on that trade block. Their names are still being thrown around. If if they weren't being mentioned at all, then we probably wouldn't even be talking about it. But Adam Schefter's mentioned it. We've seen guys um, from Falcons reporters kind of mentioning, is there a possibility that Matt Ryan's moved and Julio? So we'll see, but you got to look at it. I mean, they, what, a, what a terrible job the Falcons have done wasting the career of Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, two above average players at their position. It wasn't like this has been their whole career, but – even looking at it, you know, since since they went to the Super Bowl, after that, everything fell down and went south for the Falcons. Like, yeah. completely south. They just dropped the ball, literally, you know, from the Super Bowl onward. And it's ruined Matt Ryan's reputation as a great quarterback in the NFL, as an elite quarterback, I should say. And even as Julio Jones, as is he a top five receiver in the NFL when Every single year, it's no question that he's up there. But right now, you're looking at him and saying, is this really like the Julio Jones we've been hyping up for so many years? Yeah, um, it's it's tough because Julio and in the receiver position is a position that's hard to say, you know, hard to judge by Super Bowl wins, I guess, because, you know, it takes a quarterback and an offensive line to make a receiver really Um in a lot of ways. So Julio is going to go down as one of the all-time great receivers. Of course. But without the ring, you know, like obviously Randy Moss, I don't even think got a ring. He came to New England to try to do that, and he didn't mm-hmm. get one. You had Jerry Rice who did win. But it's hard to throw Julio above Jerry or even with Randy Moss because he doesn't have the success that, you know, Jerry Rice had in the playoffs. And, and then even Moss in the regular season, his stats are still better. So Julio, though, has had an incredible career. Yeah, and you you just don't really like to see a career like Julio Jones kind of go out this way mm-hmm. and where, you know, he's just kind of playing for the fun of it and not for, like, getting high numbers. And I don't know if this is the case with him or if it's due to injury, but at some point I think right now he's questioning whether or not it's time to, you know, hang up the jersey and call it a career. Yeah, I mean – injuries have been a problem too so it could end up being um you know one or two more years we don't know how long with Julio mm-hmm. this could be it but we'll have to kind of see how this year finishes and if he ends up staying on the Falcons I think will help determine that Austin we're going to be going into now week seven of the NFL season and you know we just had a gruesome Giants Eagles game and now we have a pack you know, Sunday of some football. Are there really some teams that or games that really stand out and any upsets that you're kind of looking at and writing those down? There's a few decent games this week. Um, 
I'm excited to see the Packers Texans. You have how Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. is going to respond to getting blown out by the Buccaneers. And then you're going to try to see if the Texans can continue to play better without Bill O'Brien. So that should be a good matchup there. Um, the Packers are three and a half point favorites. So that's not a huge difference. That game should be pretty close due to the, uh, the solid offense from the, mm-hmm. t- the Texans as well. Um, but in that game, I got to pick the Packers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to lose, you know, two games in a row like that. I don't see that in him either. That's going to be a good game for him. And against a Texans team that struggled all year long, they fired Bill O'Brien, which they should have done years ago. But, mm-hmm. you know, a, a quarterback matchup between Watson and Rodgers, that's one that is definitely one to wa- look for and to watch on Sunday because – it's going to be a very good offensive game as long as the Texans are on their A game. And we don't know with them, they're usually hot or cold. And the Packers, how can Aaron Rodgers really bounce back from a loss like that? Yeah, that's that's the question. How does Rodgers bounce back? And can the Texans continue to be solid? And then another game that I'm looking at is the Bills-Jets. Now, you might say, well, the Bills are going to blow them out, right? Well, no, the Bills have lost two games in a row. And Josh Allen has looked really, really bad in those games. We talked about it a lot on Tuesday, how his kind of slide from MVP candidate to is this guy even legit has been, you know, drastic the last two weeks. So this is a huge, huge game for him to see if he actually still has it. Do you see the Jets pulling up an upset here? They, they are at home. They are the worst team in the NFL right now. They haven't won a single game yet. Right. So this could be like, you know, the Jets first win and then the Bills, no one's going to take them serious anymore. And they're going to say it's still the Patriots division. So are you picking the Jets for an upset on Sunday? Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, I was asking you the question, but oh, no, no, that's oh, no, horrible. You, no, no way. No I'm way. not going for it either. I was just asking a genuine question, but yeah, yeah I don't think so. I just, it's nothing. going to be a good game. It's going to be a close game. I think. As much as I want to believe that, the Jets couldn't even get a point against the Dolphins last week. So I'm not super confident in their abilities, but time will tell. One game that I'm looking at right now, Austin, Steelers-Titans. Two undefeated yeah, game teams. Of the week. It's, it's hands-down game of the week, and I'm going to have to take the Steelers for an upset in that one. I guess Oof. you can call it an upset. Maybe, maybe not, since they're both you know undefeated, but Right. I'm going to take the Steelers on that one. I believe they're underdogs in that game. Yeah, the Titans are one-and-a-half-point favorites, which essentially is just a wash. I mean, it's such a close game. That's literally a safety that separates the two teams. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to take Tennessee only because Derrick Henry just looks unstoppable, and that's where the two teams differ. Mm-hmm. If the Titans' offense is struggling, they can turn, hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and you know kind of pace themselves, which we've seen them do. If the Steelers are struggling, James Conner can't really – carry that team to a win and i think this is going to be a good game and honestly anybody can win that one um but this is that's that's a huge huge game long term just you know in terms of seeding and who gets that one spot in the afc for the playoffs i'm i'm really looking forward to that one and then we can dive into patriots 49ers austin this right here is going to be a true testament to the patriots season and they can't afford losing any more games if they want to really stay atop of the AFC. You mentioned earlier that they're 11th right now in the AFC. 
and it's not looking good for him. We've never seen them this low before. So really Sunday is going to be an important game. Yeah, it's important to see how they bounce back from a loss against Denver. It's important to see if they are actually legitimate and can beat a solid team. There's a lot a lot that they have to prove, and it's not necessarily the defense that has to prove a lot. They've played mm-hmm. solid all year. It's the offense. The offense continues to put the defense in situations where they make it impossible to, to make a stop. I mean, Brian Hoyer, back when they were in KC, continuing to throw interceptions. Jared Stidham throwing, two, throwing a pick as well in that game. Um or two picks you actually stood them through. And then you go to last week where Cam's turning the ball over, and they're just continuing to really just hurt their defense. So this is a game where everything's on the line. You have a solid 49er team, and you need to prove that you're still capable of making the playoffs. And, you know, Jimmy G's back in New England since being traded. So all week long, everybody has talked about, was it worth getting rid of Jimmy G? Yes. I agree. I mean, there's some people who say that, you know, they lost a trade. It's like, well, not really. I mean, you you get rid of your backup quarterback. We went on to win another Super Bowl. I mean, it's it had to have been. You, you couldn't have got rid of Brady. There's no possible mm-hmm. way you could have traded Brady. And looking back on it, we ended up with, uh, I believe, Joe Juwan Williams, who played a little bit here and there for the Pats. I have to find the – there was a bunch of different guys because they turned that pick into – and the multiple picks or whatever it was. Uh, let me see if I can find exactly who that trade was, um, who went back and forth, because it wasn't just like one thing. There was mm-hmm. multiple guys that Pats got out of it. But, yeah, George, do you think that they won that trade, or do you think that the 49ers got the best of it? Well, I mean, they went to the Super Bowl last year under Jimmy G, and they looked good all season long, but I don't know. I, I, th- I still think the Patriots ended up, winning that trade because they still got a few good years out of Brady. They won a Super Bowl with him and they were still like nobody even cared that Jimmy G was gone, really. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be a free agent, you know, I believe next year. So now if you're the Patriots, this season doesn't work out with Cam, are you looking at getting Jimmy G back on that roster? Uh, I don't know. But what that trade turned into was that, so they traded Jimmy G for that second round pick mm-hmm. and that second round pick was then swapped and traded and it turned into seven players, I believe. So it was Duke Dawson. He'd never amounted to anything. Mm, yep. uh, Christian Sam, not even sure I saw him in a uniform. As mentioned, Joe Juwan Williams, who was solid on special teams here and there, but nothing, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even know if he's still on the team. Damian Harris, so you have a running back right. now. He still back. has upside, still has upside. Um, Yodney, uh, Kajute, C-A-J-U-S-T-E, not, he's an offensive lineman, but he hasn't done much. Jared Stidham, um, Dalton Keene, who's a tight end they drafted this year, and Justin Heron. So, right now, mm, Niners probably win, but it's not over because Damian Harris has still got upside, um, Jared Stidham and Dalton Keene. So, we'll have to see how that one um, kind of see how it develops, I guess you could say. Kind of see like where that goes because there's still some time left. Uh, and I don't know. It's interesting to me though the Patriots turn one pick for a second round. First off, Jimmy G for a second round pick, I can see that because he was a backup. He, we never we never knew what he was really going to 
perform once he left New England. And under Kyle Shanahan, he did a pretty good job. You know, I, I wouldn't say he was an MVP candidate last year, last season. Even though his team went to the Super Bowl, I'd never heard anybody saying Jimmy G for MVP. Yeah. Um, he was even though I was like, that's a good ring to it, but I won't see him winning an MVP in his career. I think I don't know. It's just it goes back to the same monster we've been talking about is that players who leave New England are not the same. We thought that it was going to be different with Jimmy G, that he was going to kind of break that, you know, lead a team to a Super Bowl, but then he ended up losing it. And because he doesn't know what those situations are like. So, yeah, really, the Patriots still, it's the system. It's really, they, they just build them there. I think so. I mean, you, you look at the quarterbacks who have left here, right? You had Matt Castle go on to KC, never really did much. You had Ryan Mallett go on to Houston, not even in the league, got cut. You had uh, Jacoby Brissett, and they replaced him with Phillip Rivers because they knew Brissett wasn't going to really get the job done. Um, and then obviously Jimmy G. Um, and then Stidham right now, they didn't think Stidham was good enough, so he was replaced kind of by Brian Hoyer, kind of by Cam now, obviously by Cam, but so it's kind of showing you that these guys at Patriots are drafting a quarterback only really hold value in New England. And then when they go elsewhere, they're not really, really superstars. So, well, I mean, Jimmy G, the book's not completely closed on him yet. So we'll kind of see. I think next year as well, depending on what this season. Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see how Jimmy G turns out. He's still a very young quarterback, so we shouldn't judge him right yet, Austin. And I know a lot of people do just because he didn't have the same success that he would have had if he Mm -hmm. stayed in New England, whether or not Brady had anything to do with his leaving. You know, there's a bunch of conspiracy theories about that, of course. And let's transition over to my favorite part, of our show Austin here are bold takes that we have for this upcoming NFL Sunday. Well, I'll give you something. I mean, it's kind of a tough one, but um, this Sunday you got a couple good matchups. We mentioned we have the, um, the matchup of five and O teams between the Steelers and Mm -hmm. the Titans. And I mentioned how Derrick Henry, can really get an offense going. So I'm going to predict, because last week he had a monster game. I think Derrick Henry will go for 200 yards from scrimmage once again. Now, it can be receiving and rushing yards combined. So my bold prediction mm-hmm. is Derrick Henry will have 200 yards from scrimmage. Okay. Okay. Oof. Oof. I don't know what to do. Okay. So I believe... Mm-hmm. Hmm. The Cowboys might actually win a game. Okay, see, I was going to say that, but now, now I'm going to go, yes, the Cowboys are going to win. That, that, I don't know. I'm not going to trust Andy Dalton throwing like 200, 300 yards. Not going to happen in my book, even though it's against the Washington football team. I'm going to have Kyler Murray with 300 yards against the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, it could happen. I don't know how bold it is, but it could happen. Well, this is a very good Seahawks team. 
or especially the defense. Yeah, I'll give you that. It is a good team. So it would be tough for Murray, but I think they can pull it off. I think you can. I mean, I think the Seahawks are pretty solid, but the Cardinals are also a team that's on their high, so they could definitely pull off a win. Yeah, so, and then I'm, I, yeah. I think the Falcons will win, too. Well, so the Falcons will get a win over the Lions. I think the Falcons could. The Lions, man, I mean, how much longer before they fire Matt Patricia? He's gone this year. I guarantee you he's going to be gone this year. If not sooner, he's... It just goes back to what we said earlier. No players or coaches leave New England and are better. And, I mean, Matt Patricia did beat the Patriots, though that first year he was a head coach. But other than that, he hasn't had that same success. He's a great defensive coordinator, very smart guy when it comes to football. But I don't know. He's just... he wasn't good i would love to have the patriots rehire him or something if it doesn't work out yeah he, he was good here but not elsewhere so i mean i wouldn't mind seeing him back at all yeah so end of this year patricia's gone back to new england i think that will most likely happen Oof. and that's that's a that's a big that's a big bowl take i feel like yeah, Long it's term hard to say because we don't know how much interest the Pats have in Patricia or if there's any. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I also don't see any other teams that would really want him as a coach. Maybe the Texans because they're looking for one. Jets are going mean, to be looking might, for a coach soon. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who he hadn't had the success that you would hope with the with Lions. Mm-hmm. So he might have to sit out before he gets an offer, kind of like how Mike McCarthy did before he went to Dallas. He sat out a year. Yeah, and Mike McCarthy will have a championship ring in Dallas sometime soon. Not this year, but sometime soon. Maybe next year when Dak's healthy. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Now, my favorite part of the segment, Bold Takes, and now we're going to go over to the MLV, Austin. We picked earlier this week in our Tuesday show that you had the Dodgers in six. I have the Rays in six winning the World mm-hmm. Series. Game three is tonight. Morton versus Buechler, if I pronounce that correctly. Bueller. Walker Bueller. Bueller. Oh, Bueller? Ferris like Bueller. Ferris Bueller? Yeah. Oh. But Walker, oh. they're not related. Oh, darn. Well, he better not take a day off today, and Bueller should have himself a game, I hope. <laughs> that was a good one. That was actually a good one. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, they're underway now. It's in the top of the third at the time of this recording, and the Dodgers are up one nothing. This is a pitcher's duel, like we expected. Um, Morton's been pretty solid for the Rays. Bueller's been one of the best pitchers for the Dodgers, and this is a good series. It's pretty even. I'm still sticking with Dodgers in six. Mm-hmm. I'm still sticking with Rays in six, and really, Austin, this is going to be going back and forth all series long, and one of the baseball series I'm really looking forward to something that I've been sitting down listening to and watching. I don't normally watch baseball. If you guys know me, I I'm not the biggest baseball guy. I'm trying to learn the sport a little bit more, get into it, but I don't know. I, I, sometimes I can't sit down, but this series, just because the Rays are an underdog, seeing what they've done all year long really makes me interested. And I really just want to see the Dodgers lose to be honest. Yeah, they, I mean, these are teams emerging stars on both sides. Mm-hmm. Corey Seager for the Dodgers, Randy Arozarena for the Rays, two guys who have just kind of blossomed. Seager's been cooling off a little bit as of late, but his home run swing is back. Um, I think overall, 
you know, I'd like to see as much as I'd love to see the Rays win. I just don't think they have it this year. Um, but it's great to that see one. a young team with such a good player developing, like a Rosarena out there in the outfield, hitting you know, hitting bombs, batting 400 in the playoffs, and then going up against a young, talented team with Mookie Betts on it and Corey Seager has been phenomenal. Um, it's just good for the game of baseball. It really is. Now, Austin, who do you think is having a better postseason? Are you going to go with Seager or are you going to go with Aronareza? Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with a Rosarena because, I mean, his average is so much higher than Seager's at the moment. Seager did have that hot streak. He's had, had, has hit a decent chunk of home runs, but mm-hmm. over, and Seager's probably a little better defensively, but overall, a Rosarena has really been the guy, um, for the Rays. And I think I got to go with him. He's having a better postseason. I agree. I think he's been playing really well. I mean, against Houston, he batted a 419. Not bad. One home run. That was his only one so far. And that was not too long ago. So he's been playing relatively well in regular season. It was iffy 281, 18 home runs. Yes, it was a shorter season. So really, I think he's very enjoyable to watch as well. I think that's what brings a lot of excitement to his name is that. And so is, so is Seager too. These are two young players who are really going to, be up and coming and we're going to look forward to watching next year and hearing about to see if they continue this stardom. Yeah, it should be exciting. They're two guys with different career paths. You had Seager, who was a highly touted prospect. There was Reyna, a guy who wasn't as heavily recruited as a prospect, traded to the Rays kind of for not a high level of compensation. You know, Seager started off strong, got injured, wasn't what we thought it was going to be. As I mentioned that in the last episode, now he's bounced back to being a star shortstop once again. And you have Rosarena looking like a star outfielder. So they're two guys with, you know, a lot of potential. And it's it's just good for the game. You need new stars. And this is, you know, adding to the group that's already existing. And this is really adding to the excitement that's going to bring baseball back, in my opinion, is these young, enjoyable stars. They're, they're no they're also putting it out there on the field, in my opinion. They're not just hitting a bat and running around the bases. They're doing it with like joy and fun. And it's bringing a lot of people to like, especially with the San Diego Padres and how they're playing and, you know, the excitement and, you know, how they act and on the field. I think that's going to bring baseball back because a lot of people want to see the fun in the game and not just how it's boring. Yeah, I mean... I, home runs are fun, you know, as mm-hmm. much as like, I mean, I, I'm still a little bit, I guess you'd call it old school. I think, you know, walks and bunting a guy over and hitting a ground ball for a, a run is, is a, the best way to win the game sometimes, but home runs are what's exciting. That's, that's mm-hmm. just a fact. I mean, I don't get out of my seat and excited on a ground ball to first base to score a run, <laughs> but when Cody Bellinger pimps one 455 feet to right center, I mean, I'm excited. That's, that's just huge. So as much as they might not be as effective sometimes because it's, it's, um, you know, not as productive to swing for the fences every swing, it's still exciting and it's good for the game. And the ratings are up, I believe, as well, from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, uh, the f- game one of the World Series actually had 9.1 million viewers, which is the lowest it's been since, I believe, the 60s. So it, it reached an all-time low. And so did the NBA finals that reached an all time low as well. So really the, these two 
the biggest probably postseason slash playoffs in sports right now is the NBA and MLB. And they've just been kind of slowly declining. I believe that just has to do with pretty much whatever is going on. If this was a normal year and a normal season, then it would we wouldn't be talking about the lowest ratings in history. But right now there's not a lot of people are enjoying it. I don't think anymore. Uh, maybe next year will be different though. Hopefully. I think what's hurting both of these or what hurt the NBA and what's hurting the MLB is you don't have restaurants and bars open in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So those are a lot of, you think about it, that's, you know, tens of thousands of TVs that are on while mm-hmm. people are just eating food, which accounts for a lot of views. I mean, you have, I don't know the statistics exactly, but like, for example, I mean, a lot of the places you still can't go in and eat a lot of restaurants permanently closed that had five TVs with the game on and you actually had people sitting there and watching while they ate. So that's a lot of it as well and we're just in a different society um or i mean i'm like a lot of people are working or whatever and i don't really dvr the game because of twitter rather you know mm-hmm. 10 years ago we may have said oh man i don't want to miss the world series i'm going to record it and i'll go back and watch it but not now i can just go on twitter and say yeah oh, what did i miss and i'll see highlights of a home run a strikeout and a ground ball and that'll they got i'm all caught up so it's just a different time where i don't know if tv ratings can be as useful as they once were yeah, and that's what's iffy about them too is it doesn't account for streaming. So it right. doesn't take in the views for you know st- you streaming on the MLB app or MLB network or the NBA app as well. So it doesn't take an account for that. And I bet you probably lost a few hundred thousand people because everybody's getting already cable and getting rid of all of that. So the numbers, you can't really base it off of anything. You, you can also pirate, which I don't encourage people doing, of course, but people pirate you know watching games yeah never and so that also gets rid of some numbers as well and really it's just skewing numbers and it's pointless to really debate about is to just you know be like oh my sport is better than yours because it got better ratings well guess what both of our sports didn't get you know high ratings so i don't know it's just a weird year to really be accounting numbers for sports. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Now, Austin, I know a new segment we started uh, last episode was guess that player. We give you the yes. stats of a certain player and we incorporate the viewers and the listeners to kind of guess who it is via social media. And Austin, this is your week to do it or your episode to do it. And so who mm-hmm. is, you know, what are your stats for this week? So I'll tweet these out in a second. I didn't get a chance to do that earlier. Mm-hmm. But what I have is this is a former, he doesn't play currently. He's a former baseball outfielder. And don't worry, he has played in the last couple of years. Okay. Um, a former baseball outfielder who has a, he's a power hitter. We'll go with that. A power hitting outfielder who has, <clears throat> excuse me, 1,394 career strikeouts and only 1,032 career walks. So in baseball terms, he struck out a a ton and he did walk a ton too. So this is a former outfielder and we're looking at his strikeouts and walks. Um, 1,394 walks, 1,032. 1,032 walks, 1,394 strikeouts. So (laughs) I'm going to tweet this out. You can follow us at Midnight Mania Sports or my Twitter, Adakuda. And um, I'll give you another hint. I'll put another hint in there. This guy is, he also made a memorable postseason moment at one point. 
memorable postseason okay. moment. All right, so and he, and he doesn't play out. anymore. No, he was attempting to, but hasn't played in the league for a cuff. We'll just say a few. I really nobody comes to my mind as of mm-hmm. right now who it is. Um, not up to. So date. I'm not going to give it away, but I know, I know. I'm not up to date on my baseball players, which I should be. And I knew you're going to pick a baseball player, and I knew I should have read, probably read something <laughs> on this too. All right. Well, this um, is a hard one, and it it does, but in the postseason moment for some baseball fans. Yeah, that that'll mean something to people who've watched baseball. But you put that on so that'll be on social media and it will be answered at the end of the show where you can find it out via social media on Austin's Twitter at Adakuda and at Midnight Mania Sports on Twitter as well. To make sure if you're right and you know your baseball stats unlike me. <laughs> and Austin, now going into the NBA. A lot of free agency rumors going around potentially. I know I've heard of a few. This one's weird. This one I've heard of this one. This was from um, SNNY. Yeah, SNY. This comes from SNY, and you know they're saying someone was saying that the Pacers are interested in trading for Gordon Hayward. I've seen that. I've seen some rumors of you know. Can the, can the Celtics kind of make a swap where Hayward, Smart, Robert Williams goes to the Pacers for some combination of Oladipo, Miles Turner? That trade's getting a lot of hate because everyone loves Marcus Smart. But to be mm-hmm. honest with you, Marcus Smart is overrated. Yes, he's a great Whoa. defender. He's a great defender, great hustle player. He shoots way too many threes, and we don't admit it. And, yeah, he has streaks where he hits some. But he, you got to stop overvaluing him because defense hasn't won championships. The def- George, answer this. Did defense win the Lakers a championship this year? Not at all. Did defense ever win the Warriors a championship? No. Did hustle or defense ever win the Raptors a championship? I wouldn't not say necessarily. It was, I wasn't really saying it was that. My point here is we're not in the NBA anymore where like, Marcus Smart is going to win you the championship. He's a heck of a player going to win you some games, but if you can make a deal where you get somebody – you need a big man, okay? We need a big man. And at this point, if we can get somebody in there who can stretch the floor and get rebounds, I'll take it. If Marcus Smart has to be traded, I'm sorry. I think we'll be able to replace him. I think you are the first person I've ever heard say and, like, accept the fact that Marcus Smart is overrated and they should, the Celtics should trade him. I've never heard anybody say that. Because most of the time they love Marcus Smart because of his defense and hustle. But you're right, we're not in that NBA anymore where people play defense. I mean, look at, I don't know. It's just not defensive league anymore. And you're right, that's not going to win you championships. Clearly it's offense um, because look at the Lakers, look at the Warriors especially, and look at their offense. Yeah, you had Draymond, which makes sense, but – like that that's the argument people bring up. Well, the Warriors had Draymond. Okay. They had Curry, Thompson, Durant. The Celtics don't. They have Celtics do Kemba, Jalen, and Jason. Yeah. That's... Not Kemba. It's not it's not Curry. It's not Thompson. It's not Durant. So we don't have the level of offense that these teams had mm-hmm. to make up for it where it's like, okay, let's just have Smart be that defensive hustle guy. Which it's great. I mean, every team has somebody like that who's scrappy, but my point is, is like, we don't like at this point, you need a big man more than you need that scrappy hustle guy. 
I like that's 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 good. And honestly, that's a fair trade. The Celtics finally get a big man that they needed. Daniel Tice, I believe, just had knee surgery as well, off-season knee surgery. So he's gonna be, you know, in you know, physical therapy and trying to get that knee back to its full health. But getting a guy like Turner on the Celtics, that's what they need. That's a that's a guy who can get you rebounds, play defense down low. And even score you on offense, score on offense. So that's a good thing for the Celtics. They get what they need. Victor Oladipo, that's pro- he's amazing. He's a all-star level player when healthy. He can play at a very high level. And then the Celtics get rid of Gordon Hayward, who's just injury prone. And right now he's what thirty million dollars, thirty-four million dollars a year. Yeah. So the Celtics really don't need him you know, just with all that money that they pay him. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's got to be a little bit of change, and I think Hayward's the kind of the odd guy out. Honestly, Hayward, and then he can play with the money, see if Smart still fits, but we'll, we'll have to see. what Dan- Danny Ainge usually makes the right move, and I'm confident in him. I believe Danny Ainge does too. He, he gets a lot of hate a lot of times for, you know, some trades that you don't really, you know, see happening or – you know, things he does with players. I think one of the most recent ones might have been with like Garnett and Pierce. Everybody didn't like what he did with that trade. But now all those people are not saying anything about that trade and how yeah, right. now the Celtics really won that trade, to be honest. I mean, the, you gave up, of course, right to Hall of Famers who were mm-hmm. past their prime. But then look who you got for the future. If it weren't for that trade, you would not get Jason Tate. So... The Celtics ended up winning that, and now nobody's complaining. Still, you trust Danny Ainge to make the right decision. I think he's looking more futuristic than he is for, you know, this current-day basketball. Yeah, I mean, it just it changes so quick, and we got to wonder, you know, you got to think, because the Celtics didn't plan for this, you know, a few years back. They weren't planning for this era of three-point shooters. What's mm-hmm. the next era going to be? Is it just going to be the way it is now, or are we going to kind of switch? So can you get ahead and kind of kind of plan for, okay, like the Warriors did a tremendous job of it. They had Curry and Clay, and they were ready for when it transitioned to threes. You know what I mean? They were they were already had those guys and were kind of like helping usher in the new era. So what is going to be kind of the new era of basketball? Is it going to be three-point shooting for, you know, the rest of eternity? Or what's <laughs> going to be the deal with that? So we'll, we'll have to see what Danny Ainge can kind of come up with and help complement what we already have. That's a good question. What will the future of the NBA be like? That's good. No more. There'll be no more Brian Scalabrini's. Because the thing is, it's like his role is a three-point shooter off the bench. And you already have plenty of those who – also two other things, so. Yeah, so the future of the NBA is going to be very interesting. And – It'll next season is going to be interesting because they're going to have a, you know, they're going to say to start the season, December 22nd. I've seen people say January 18th. So the season is going to be very interesting to see how it plays. Like, there's no set date, you know, for when the NBA is going to start. So I think starting at December 22nd is the best thing ever. I think for the NBA, if they do, yes, it'll be shorter off season, but then you'll be able to play a total of 72 games and in June, right? The, the finals will be played throughout June as well. 
So mm -hmm. the season will be over by July. Players are going to be able to play in the Olympics if we do have an Olympics, if that goes on, if they choose to. And then you'll be able to start the season up again normally in October. So if you start it earlier, December 22nd, everything will happen. Free agency, the, tra um, the draft's happening on uh, November 18th. So once free agency begins, I believe that is early December. And then start date mid-December, that's the best thing for the NBA right now. Yeah, I don't like it. It's just such a weird world because we have no idea if they're going to need another bubble yet or mm -hmm. for the for next season or what's going to be kind of the case. And then obviously of the NBA draft, these kids would have already been drafted back in June. You know what I mean? They would have already been right now. We'd already be in the season almost, yeah. right? It'd be probably one week away or right about at the well, point where. Yeah. A year ago right about today. To a year ago today or a year ago yesterday on Thursday. The Pelicans played their first game against the Toronto Raptors. So I remember that, Austin. You and I were sitting down watching that game together. We were, yeah. And so really the NBA should technically be starting right now if this was a normal world that we live in. But, you know, with the circumstances we're in, the NBA starting in December, you know, around Christmas time, I think that's a good deal. I just want basketball on Christmas. That's all I want. Is that too <laughs> much to too. ask for? Like, I just want to be able to just hang out and watch. Like, I want to just watch Zion get embarrassed on Christmas Day. Like, what else can I want? <laughs> that wasn't funny. Zion's not going to get embarrassed on Christmas Day. Okay. Actually, some... I, I hope think he I does said... well. I have way too much... What do you have, way too much? I have way too many of Zion's rookie cards in basketball. So if he ends up oh. being good, that's like a semester of college paid for. <laughs> So. You also have a Zion t-shirt. I You do have a Zion t-shirt. Can't say you don't like them. Yeah, it's like a schmedium. And then we had quarantine, so that's not going to fly anymore. I'll send that down <laughs> to Connecticut for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'll go right no next problem. to my Zion jersey. Oh, boy. What a duo. <laughs> Austin, do you have any last closing remarks here on Midnight Mania Sports? I don't. Just check out the stat of the week that I tweeted on mm -hmm. our Twitter accounts. Um trying to figure out which MLB player that, that was, um, you know, and we look forward to seeing what another great weekend we have in store in the NFL. How about you, George? My last thing is go Cowboys, baby. I hope they get a well-deserved win and they take the lead in the NFC East. Let's hope. I hope, actually I'm hoping. I actually hope so because I don't want to see a team with five wins win the division. <laughs> Yeah, and then you don't want to deal with me again on Tuesday complaining about the Cowboys again. You want to hear me rooting them and telling you that they're going to the Super Bowl and they're winning out. I have Zeke in fantasy, so I hope so. Yeah, well, he needs to hold on to the ball. Mr. <laughs> Butterfingers over there. He does. Well, well, let's hope he can do that. Well, for Austin Dakota, I am George Hathaway. Thank you for tuning in to Midnight Mania Sports. And make sure to subscribe to our Apple podcast, follow us on Spotify, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Thank you for listening.